up only. 10, 9, ignition sequence start. 6, Hello and welcome to Up Only TV. I'm Ledger. Kobe's here, as you know. We'll be here as well with Dan Matuszewski, a.k.a. CMS Holdings, and then Cat and Ape people that we'll find out more about them in a moment. <laughs> that's, all, that's what their avatars are, though. Before we get to it, let me tell you about FTX. Go to uponly.tv slash FTX. You can trade there today. It used to be Blockfolio. It's the same great app that you've known and loved. Go directly from one asset to another. Earn 5% yield beyond $10,000. Earn 8% yield on your first $10,000. That's a lot better than anywhere else for getting yield on your tokens do it at ftx thanks to them for being our partners up only.tv slash ftx let's get to the show kobe hello how are you i am uh doing well we've got uh, do you do you reckon we should do a sweepstake on when ftx will send us a new pre-roll video so we don't have this old blockfolio one that says actually ftx stuck on top of it because i think it's probably low on their priority list but so i reckon it might be like 2022 they they pay us pretty well to put the wrong <laughs> to put the wrong name on our podcast <laughs> If they don't care, uh, if they don't care, I don't care. So, uh, I think I think for the next one, you should record an advertisement in like absence of proper material. So it should be you at home with a, your phone. Like, <laughs> use FTX, <laughs> and we should just do our own advert. It'll be way better. Yeah, like the mall display. You know, some dots in my family there. Um, so. All right, uh, let's get to the people on the call listening to us chat shit. Uh, Dan, how are you doing? Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, doing good. Hope you guys are doing good. good. I'm all right. Jason, how are you doing? Doing good. Good. And then Jim Talbot, maybe the most requested guest ever from a very particular part of crypto Twitter. <laughs> Jim. They're, they're going to hate me today then, I think. How you doing? <laughs> Welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, man. We need to qualify for people that don't know that this is Jason from Telegram who's morphed into an AVAX ape uh, for, the, for his profile picture. And then Jim is the cat. Uh, so, you know, if you're not yeah. aware of every person's everyday changing NFT avatar on crypto Twitter, now you know it's Jason from Telegram and Jim Talbot. Oh. Yeah, we've got Jason Talbot, Jim Talbot, cat with a bowl cut and um, what appears to be a poorly drawn cartoon ape. Oh, and the uh, the Twitch chat, the Twitch chat is uh, emote only, so I can allow people to talk now. Apparently, <laughs> what the... wait, emote only is actually quite kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite nice. So Nomad sent me this thing that was like, "Hey, there's a vulnerability. You can get screwed over. So you need to turn your chat to emote only." And I forgot to fix it. So they were just emoting away over there. All right, so uh, we're back. Hello, All right, so. I kind of forgot we were on Twitch, if I'm honest, because um, I close it because I find it really distracting and now I've got it open again. Let's see how I go through the show. Um, all right, so we've got a bunch of things to talk about today. What sort of stuff is on your mind, Ledger? What has been on your mind this last week? Uh, as our good friend Andre, Andre uh, Kranji would say, I'm just enjoying the up-only lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've embraced it, and we got, um, I think... 
you know, one third of the real like up only maximalists of, of crypto Twitter and Dan on the line. And we don't have Kaleo today, but I think we would have broken broken the bulls if we had both of them. So I'm glad we have Dan here because, you know, he's just been shaming the bears uh, ever since it was very unpopular to do so. And um, yeah. I want to know how you're feeling, Dan, being, you know, like so close to all time highs on Bitcoin, ETH, you're living that Solana life uh, in price exploration. How are you doing? Yeah, it's a lot of things wild. Um, good. I think like it was kind of wild, like how everybody got really negative, like right when it flipped. I think I was like listening to you guys. Like, I think you even said something. I was like, was yeah. And well, just the chat, was just, the chat was just so depressing. Like, I was like watching people. Like, I was reading it. And I was like, Jesus. I was like, can it really be more, like I don't know bearish. So like, I mean, like that's obviously the pivot. Like, but um. I think, like, realistically, though, um, there's just so much money moving in the system, right? Like, you, you hear about a billion-dollar equity raise, like, a week now. Actually, like, a billion dollars is light, right? Like, they're more like multiples, like, three, four. You hear about, like, funds raising five, six, seven hundred million dollars, like, left and right, and some TradFi group. is like, like, there's just a lot of money pushing in. So it's inconsistent in my mind that it's, like, not going to hit, like, the coins at some point, right? Like, it, it's, like, this weird flow of capital where it – certain pools can only get in certain ways. Right. And that's why you see equity valuations balloon. And then you see funds raise large. Cause like, that's like another Avenue that it comes in. But at the end of the day, like there's more money trying to push in than trying to push out. Like 2018 was like a fight for the like exit. Right. Like people were like, I need cash. I need to get out. This is going to zero. Now it's like, yeah, there's like movements around of like liquidations and stuff in short term timeframes, like very much the trend is like people are like, there's more money getting in than there is sort of trying to like move out of the, and the other like argument I keep having is like, all right, like, let's say you like take a bunch of money to cash. It's like, well, what do you do with it then? Right? Like, you know, this is this whole like idea. Like, you, you can't just like live in a vacuum. Like, you have to then like do something with it. So, um, I don't know. I think that's all like a really big sort of trend that's just going to continue with crypto. Like, I I'm, don't see any slowing down of it. Like, there's going to be swings, obviously, but I don't know. Like the the real trend for it is definitely higher. I like yeah. your final argument. Like, what am I going to do with the money? You're saying it's it's bullish because all the holders have already got yachts. It's like, no, what am I going? To, I already <laughs> bought my yacht. What else am I going to do? I mean, like, right? Like, you buy a couple of houses, you buy a nice car. Like, like I don't, and like you give some away to charity. I I do think there's like a reality of it, though. Like, at some point, you're like, well, I don't need to sell that like next incremental <laughs> sort of like piece of it. Like, I I do think there's some truth to that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do like that we did the the light uh, bearish propaganda episode at the absolute bottom. He went full like he was like he was like euthanasia coaster. <laughs> I mean, I, I felt it while we were on air. Like I was tweeting yeah. while we were talking to him. Like, Surely this is the bottom. I'm buying something right now. <laughs> like, it was fun. Gotta, sometimes you just got to roll with countering the sentiment. Um, and sometimes I, you got to counter yourself. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, why don't we start with Jason since you're the uh, picture on the left? Get your kind of feel of the market at the moment. Um, right now, so the last few months have definitely been pretty interesting. Um, by all intents and measures, like I feel like we kind of like had this weird, like never before, like expedited bear market, and like a bunch of metrics pretty much just flipped bullish over the last month. Um, locally, I think there's there's like uh, a pretty good like coin flip chance for like either going higher or lower in some sort of like bullish corrective wave. But like um, it's definitely in a way better spot than it was two months ago, for sure. Um, 
So from, from an on-chain perspective, it's like so many different indicators are kind of like out of whack with where you would expect them to be. If you look at like TA or um, if you look at one indicator, you might be like, oh, this is pretty bullish. And you look at another indicator like dynamic MVT, and you're like, that's incredibly existentially bearish. And so it's been a, an interesting exercise to go through different uh, metrics and go, how much signal do you give me? How much signal do you give me? Um, and like, see, see where you land. Um, it's definitely been very hard and challenging. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a reasonable, uh, chance for bullishness and a reasonable chance for like some sort of correction. I'm just kind of playing it level by level. And I would love to hear it's, what that it's either bullish or it's bullish selling. Yeah. We're either going up or we're going down. <laughs> <laughs> I love bullish selling. It's my favorite kind of selling. <laughs> Uh, and Jim, what about you? How have you found this? Do you hate it when when it goes up, or is it just like is it just a meme? Um, no, well, basically, I'm, I'm I'm more just more of a trader, really. So, and I, I thrive in in range bound markets with mean reversion. So, when it's like hard trending, I do do sort of don't enjoy it as much personally from a trade perspective. <laughs> but but no, I do tend to do it just to rub people up the wrong way and trigger people. <laughs> I, I, all the way up, I was like, I swear I see a tweet from Jim and you're you say something like sort of ominous. And I'm like, oh, oh <laughs> no. It's like it's like it's coming. Who's what? Who's Jim by the way? Like <laughs> he's a guest on up only. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jim Talbot. I don't know, I just followed him on I'm just a shit posting day trader. <laughs> 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 I just I just followed him on Twitter like twelve twelve seconds ago because yeah. it sounds like Kobe uses him as a counter trade. I don't know. <laughs> no, because like on the on the way down on the way down he would always post something like here it comes and then like uh, ten seconds later it would just go fucking hell and then on the way up it was like hmm something's brewing and I'm like oh god no here we go and they would just go. <laughs> and, then, and then I see a tweet from Jim like, don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, when it's range band, I just like fucking with people, really. Because it's quite easy just to counter trade general sentiment, really. So I just play off that, really. But um, as far as sort of, obviously, I'm an, an order flow type trader. And I'd say since sort of the 29K bottom, the order flow has, has changed significantly. So it's been definitely difficult, more difficult to adapt to the the market since uh, you so know you're like there's a- just been a change of power i feel in the the sort of where the volume is being traded and how it's being traded um so it's definitely different so you're um, like watching the tape and the order books real close uh, yeah, yeah so is that how you've always traded or is that something that you learned in crypto uh no so yeah well i've only ever really traded crypto and it's yeah pretty much how i've always done it um so, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm a mechanical trader, really. So when it comes to What does that actually fundamental... mean? Like, what does that mean? I go, I'm, I'm outing myself as like an actual complete uh, noob. But like, what does it mean to watch the tape and the audio? How do you trade like that? What do you do? Um, oh, how do I? If I, I start basically... like throwing random orders in the order box, does it fuck you up? Uh, no, not really. Um, All right. No, it's just basically... You know, I trade off imbalances and things that I see in the tape. You know, if I see aggression with no follow through at certain levels, I'll fade it and like you know stuff like that. All right, so that you're, you're you're on a much shorter sort of time scale then, and a much shorter like um, you're looking at like what happens over the next like 
days or weeks rather than what happens over the next not even days and weeks really minutes (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i I trade the 30 second chart mainly so what where do you even get to see a 30 second chart you get on uh trading view yeah you have to pay for trading view kobe i don't know if you could afford it uh, <laughs> <laughs> bro i got it free i got it free because the trading view founder follows me on twitter and he gave me a admin coins or something so <laughs> <laughs> uh, i like trading view a lot but dan, nice dan where do we sit with derivatives right now i mean i can't have you on without you know asking if like futures curves need smushing or not um, yeah it's rich um like i mean look i'm bullish as the next guy but like financing's high um like it, it's high definitely relative to where it's been the last couple months i mean like yeah. obviously like it was like negative for a while like it was it didn't like touch back what it did, but like it was a pretty flat curve um i think you had financing out to december at like four or five percent um it's it's like probably doubled there like on the longer dated stuff and then like front month futures like perpetuals are very very expensive so i don't know that's not great like that's probably not like a super like bullish thing because there there seems to be a good amount of leverage that's moved in the system over the last like week um so yeah and like you have september expiry coming up right so you've got like three weeks left on some of those front months up like people are going to like start selling those aggressively probably to knock that in line so we'll, we'll have to live through that but I, I don't know i mean like that can move very quickly and all you need is like a good slug of cash to come in and it like sort of evens out but it, it's definitely rich um, to be like holding long positions here, like you're paying for that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like that's like the one thing that gives me a little caution about like where we are. Why well, the thing that gives me caution about where we are is like in the whole like run up, it was pretty much up only basically, right? Like it genuinely was up only until start of the first couple of weeks of August, and then we've just sort of consolidated until now, and then like sort of up only again over the last um, few days. Um, and the whole way up through a move like that, when it's just grinding up and not giving you any dip, not giving you any sort of material pullback. I, I think from like mid-July to mid-August, there was only like one red daily in Ethereum. Like it's just one in the middle. And it was not even like a, a substantial down move. In moves like that, you get a lot of people who are like, I don't want to buy in because um, I'm scared of buying the top of this like this wave. I'm just going to wait for it to dip and then buy in. And it just doesn't give you a dip the whole time. But we're in the range now where it's like, all right, so ETH's like 38 um, and the top was 43. So you have a bunch of people's like, if I'm going to buy, I may as well just buy the all-time high breakout now. Like I don't care about like that additional like 10% just for uh, 10%, 15% where you're adding tons of risk because I was scared of buying the top the whole way. And now I'm not going to fucking buy the top when I can just buy the all-time high breakout. So that's why I get scared because there isn't much juice left in the the difference between there and all-time high and where, where buyers can sort of just go, yeah, I can just wait to bid rather than uh, FOMOing in. So what do we do in the meantime? Buy Fidenzas and hope they go up in value some more or what? We could finally buy some pints, Brian. <laughs> Wow, chilling his pint bag second time in a row on the show. <laughs> what is what even is it? I think I asked this last time. I did did not recall the information. Did not store it. It's a very low liquidity uh, game. Great, great. That's very re- very responsible of you, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got to do Securius uh, solid and keep that pressure going on you, Brian. Yeah, Jack and Jack and Dale will be very happy. Um. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, what they go ahead, Dan. No, so I was gonna say, the the other, the other thing that like 
I think has been going on the last couple of days is like you have monthly inflows for all of like sort of the funds, right? So like, and it's a quarterly one. So there's probably been like some cash that's moved in the system, but like I, I am of the opinion that like the margin usage is like way, way, way larger than that, right? So like it's it's not like oh like the cash market came in and sort of like bailed out like all the levered guys. Like I think like there's a little bit of that that probably helped, but and you definitely see that in the dispersion, right? So and I dispersion, I mean like there's a lot of there's a lot of dislocation. Like I, I don't have like a there's like there's metrics and equities for this, but there's not necessarily one from crypto for like how much the individual components are moving apart from each other as opposed to like just having directionality with like Bitcoin. But you, you definitely have seen a lot of that over the last like couple of days, right? Like you have a lot of things that are moving and having big outsized moves and then other stuff that's either flat or down, right? Like there's a lot of dislocation in the market. And that's probably because there's individual like sort of names being picked by like certain like funds. They're like, oh, like we got our allocation. We own this, this, and this, and like those are like sort of like getting like the inflows to it. So I think that that leads to a lot of that, which has been going on um, over the last like two or three days. But like still, that's just like not enough to like offset what's being open. Yeah, the 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 hot potato money ball. Yeah, the flaming ball of money. The flaming ball of money. Yeah. I mean, you saw it, you saw it quite a lot in Avalanche, right? Where like the entire Avalanche ecosystem went like minus eighty five percent because Phantom announced an incentives program, and then in <laughs> Phantom like everything in Phantom like tripled, and then Phantom were like in three months, and then everything Phantom went down eighty five percent, and the Avalanche stuff went back up again. It was like okay, so it's just the same money cycling round. That was like the most just like direct trade I think I've like seen in like a very long time, where we were like. Like you just immediately were like, oh, AVAX isn't like the thing now. It's like Phantom, like just like immediate, like what? And it just it happened immediately. It was so like usually like stuff like that like takes a little bit of time for like the market to like figure it out. But like every ape like immediately just like got it. They were like, nope, now we do Phantom. Like we just except, like we're going. Except for me, that dramatically impacted my net worth because <laughs> I was holding more than one uh, Avalanche altcoin that just got like nuked like thirty percent while I was sleeping. Yeah, well, has, I was gonna say they have that last like material unlock that goes through, and then like it's kind of like smooth sailing after that. Now I don't know how much of an overhang that is on the market, but like we do get through that this week. What do you think about unlocks? Because a lot of unlocks, when the project is like relatively hyped and doing quite well, the unlocks only in name often because uh, a lot of coins have changed hands OTC at a discount beforehand and the new sellers put got a higher price um, entry anyway sometimes the, the the new buyer sorry the new buyer has relocked tokens as part of their agreement to buy at a discount um, but when the when like when it's like some you know weird like Pokemon-esque shitcoin, um, the unlocks are just bearish because it's loads of people just ready to sell and there's no OTC activity because no one actually wants it. Um, but do you think? How do you think about unlocks in general? Because obviously you have Definity where it was like just fucking down only for minus ninety five percent, but then you had the Solana ones at the start of the year where it just like everyone was like, oh my big unlock, and then it just fucking went turbo. So. Yeah, so a lot of times it like pays to know what's going on in the OTC markets for that stuff. So like Solana in particular, like so we bought a lot of Solana pre the unlock, right? So like we and these, these there were a lot of negotiations. Like the Solana Foundation would like connect sellers with like buyers, being like, "All right, are you looking to buy some?" Like this guy's trying to sell some, and like there was it towards the end of it, it kind of became hard to source more, right? So like they would be like, "Hey, this guy's got a million units he wants to sell." 
And like, if you didn't respond fast enough, it'd be like, oh, I already sold it. So like, it became pretty apparent that there was a lot of demand for this or like somebody was buying tons of supply that was out there. I mean, we got a good slug of it through that, but it also gave us a lot of conviction that there wasn't a lot that was going to hit the tape just because there was so much that had been purchased. And the back of the curve, so like the March future, I think it was when that unlocked, was trading something like seven and a half percent under spot. So like really you could just like start buying those because that was the proxy that the OGC market like were using, right? They were like, all right, whatever it is at the March future is what we'll sort of buy them at. But you could just buy them yourself. Like anybody could like sort of go in there and still purchase. So then those started getting bid pretty well. And you could kind of tell that like the unlock could sort of like work. Like there, you can usually get a pretty good idea if um if the futures are liquid and there's if the futures are liquid and there's a front month that's liquid, like a tenored future instead of a perp, you can kind of get a good idea of like how much is being hedged and like what the implied selling is going to be. And if there's a perp, you can like somewhat back it. So like Avalanche in particular, right? Cause like this one's just relevant. Like there's two and a half million open interest. I just have FTX up. That's like what I'm looking at on just FTX. Let's assume there's like the same on Binance. So there's 5 million open interest. They're paying, I don't know, like ungodly amount in financing to be long it, like sort of getting back to my point. But like, if you're a, if you were a holder of that position and you wanted to like hedge it, I mean, you could just take that off now, right? Like the market will like easily absorb that. So like the yeah. actual date is like not that relevant uh, in my opinion now. Like if you wanted to like hedge this or you want to take that risk off, like you have ample opportunity to do it. So like the actual D-Day, all right, the coins like are like able to move, like doesn't matter as much. But like that liquidity is like why that matters. It's like you say, if you had some token that like nobody trades and nobody cares about, like, yeah, that's like, a much different like conversation. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And have you been playing in these like um, like ecosystems, like these shitcoin ecosystems that spin up when you can copy paste stuff from ETH into the EVM compatible uh, whatever? Oh yeah, we we try to get into it as much as we can. It's hard because like, it's just <laughs> it's really hard to keep up with what's going on. So like I mean like, we have a really really, Dan, we have a really high risk tolerance. Dan's dumping but... on me. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, like, look, like we, the, it, it, like, all right, here's an example, right? When it went from like, let's say, who knows? Like, let's say pick your like favorite L1 tomorrow just becomes like the thing, right? And like everything's like going off in there. Like how much time can you really get yourself up to speed on something if you haven't been following it that much? Like you're, you're definitely just firing in the dark a little bit and like sort of doing it. So, I mean, we do, we do do that activity but it's very hard to get like a feel for like all right like this is like this has what's value the, and this doesn't. what's like, the general playbook you buy the like uniswap equivalent you buy the rv equivalent and you buy the dog coins <laughs> yeah yeah we kind of like let, like this is terrible but like we kind of let the market like tell us right so we just like look like we scan the board and we're like all right these things have volume that's trading these things like are going up that's probably where the market's going to key in on and like yeah. we just try to be like, all right, hopefully we don't get rugged. And like that's pretty <laughs> much all you can do. I mean, like, you, and you do. Like it happens. Like, you, like yeah. once in a while, you're just gonna like buy one that like zeroes you. But you hope that like the EV of the rest of them like sort of makes up for the whole thing. Did anyone get caught in the most unprofessional rug I've ever seen? It was the avalanche rug. Was it a dog coin? Maybe it was called like husky or something. Um, yeah. Or like some, 
I got, he knows, I, got, I can't remember what it's called. It was like fucking, they didn't even let it go for more than like four hours or something. Like six hours later, it rugged. That's very unprofessional. If you're going to do a rug pull, if you're going to do a rug pull, you've got to, you've got to play it out. You've got to like paint a chart. You've got to paint an up. And look, you'll get more money with your rug if you do it this way. Six hours, that's fucking pathetic. Like you, you're a disgrace to the rug pull community. You know what I like about like the JPEG movement though? Like, you really don't need to rug people, right? Like, like worst case scenario, you just like put out like a really shitty NFT, right? Like it's such, <laughs> it's such little work to like go between like being a criminal and just like being like terrible. Like, like you just like make them, right? Like just like send them out there. Like they, I do like, there's really, you can't get rugged like in that scenario. Uh, like how much do you reckon we make if we do an up only NFT series, just like out, out of interest? We'll edit this part out. We're not live. <laughs> Yeah, tell us how much. <laughs> how much would you buy? <laughs> uh, they got we got nothing on that. Just crickets. Yeah. Um, I feel like yeah. I just got a DM from him saying like discount. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to um, mildly protect though the uh, the husky people. I think they are okay. It was um, a canis or something like that. It was a different coin that had a six hour rug. So, you know, we don't want to hate on the Huskies. I think that was the OG, uh, <laughs> avalanche, um, whatever. Um, I mean, I think what we really need to pay attention to here is like just how insane some of these are. Like if you go to the avalanche ecosystem, it's always a little dangerous <laughs> when you're like hundred IQ like me and you're buying this stuff and somebody's up like 500% since they were early and you're just like, Oh, please let me double my money, sir. (laughs) And then you like somewhere around here, you get word that like, uh, uh, well, Alameda just, um, approved all of their tokens. And then like, there's just this turbo down candle. It's like, I can't believe I lost money on this. How dare you, sir? That's my, uh, very technical drawing of what happened today. Somebody sold today. Somebody sold $3 million of this token in one transaction. It was like a 25% slippage. So they they seem to really be caring about uh, what was happening on there. Look, some people get off on that. Some people enjoy it. They're like, I want to make a dent on the chart. It's not about the money. It's about sending a message. <laughs> it's about the splash. I did that to Salt in January 2018. It was phenomenally like satisfactory. <laughs> Wait, what did you dump? Uh, salt at the like market. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, that was the one that got tripped up with the SEC, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. so jason you obviously been playing in the avalanche ecosystem because you've bought avalanche nfts and decided to make it your <laughs> metaversal identity on this podcast i'm still working it out because i'm like i'm like sam i don't get the nfts at all i'm still trying to learn uh as you know kobe uh I, yeah yeah tell the story i kind of don't because it's like you told me you told me it's like better when people don't know the owner of the nft and it's already like rugs so like i want to like <laughs> please say it's so good I, okay. can i tell it Dude, can i okay. read your well, message it's better than, okay yeah it's better to have a story i guess so like shardy apparently created a whole bunch of like pixel dicks and was like uh i was like oh that's interesting and i like i didn't know who shardy was and in, in this one chat that we're we're both in it's like you know like I'm like who the fuck is this shardy guy and i check his twitter and apparently there's like some mystery behind shardy and 
I don't know anything about NFTs except like cash flowing NFTs uh, for another startup. But like, uh, I saw this and like someone said it was pretty rare and it was like the number one win. And so I was like, I'll buy it. Wait, you said it's rare. Didn't you say the name of this was Pixel Dicks? I can't say that too loud. My whole family's in the house. (laughs) I was like, hey, Kobe, was this a good, was this a good purchase? And he's like, nah, mate. Uh, (laughs) And I was like, wait. And I gave him like a whole thesis. And this like, I was like, I was like, uh, I want to say like three or four beers deep. And I was like, give him this whole thesis. And I was like, you know, you know, dick drawings is like cultural. It's universal. It's like hyper masculine. Like people with money will like fucking love it. They'll like see value in it. And was like giving this whole like universal humankind thesis. And he's like, no, mate, there's no audience for it. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then he told me the metrics behind it. And I was like, oh wait, that makes total sense. And so when I saw Avex punks and like to the points that you were uh, saying earlier, Dan, when you see liquidity flowing into an asset, you're like, oh, this, there's actually a buy side. That's cool. Um, and then you start looking at things that make sense and you like and have to yeah. My my favorite part of this is you hit me up, you sent me this dick NFT, and then I was like, are you joking? And you were like, I'm going to read the messages out because they're amazing. You said, Dickar is historical, universal, and mimetic. It transcends culture. Then you sent me six different links to like <laughs> dick drawings and a Google search for dick drawing culture. One was the sociological origins of drawing dicks in video games. One was early cave drawings, Revel putting dicks on stuff. Another one was a psychoanalyst explains why men draw dicks on everything. The next one was a brief guide to the not-safe-for-work history of penis art. And then you said... <laughs> The thing is, whether or not it's skill is a whole other discussion. Each generation, uh, each generation, this conversation happens around some new movement in art, and those items usually become culturally significant over time. I'm not an art connoisseur, and the odds are this was a bad investment. But <laughs> it's a bad investment until it's a phenomenal investment in my mind. And then you sent me screenshots of chats with other people where you were talking about dicks, and I just said, I'm not bullish on your crypto penis despite your thesis. <laughs> I feel like every time you're trying to yes. convince yourself to buy something that's extremely stupid but might work, you just call it mimetic. And you're like, dude, don't worry about it. It's mimetic. <laughs> well, like to Dan's earlier point, like you can create a total shitcoin and it can accrue value somehow, like through very obvious, like fundamental sound ways. But like other ways, like crypto is inherently cultural. So like if you find something that's potentially like mimetic or cultural, then it can potentially potentially become crypto. So that seems very meta, but it also sounds dumb. But like, there you go. <laughs> uh, and they went to zero, yeah? Oh, I haven't checked. I just don't want to check for a year, few years. <laughs> Long-term investor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But so then you went to Avalanche and you bought this fucking ape thing. Apparently yeah. that's a yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, and Jim, Jim, what about you? Have you been playing in other ecosystems, or do you just trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, or do you like go deep and like buy Joe, which is like oh, a no, trade? I don't touch that shit. But I am definitely, I'm really interested in the NFT whole movement thing. Really, I'm sort of watching from the sidelines, just waiting because I kind of get the sense there's going to be some some good bargains to to snap up over the next couple of weeks, hopefully. 
Probably. I've been buying, so it's probably. <laughs> I just think the valuations on some of this stuff is just ludicrous. Like, I think I think crypto people are so detached from from like valuations and stuff that I think a lot of this stuff's just ridiculous, to be honest. But I think it's incredibly valuable over a long time. Sure, a lot of things will go to zero, but you're going to have applications for NFTs that span different asset classes, and that could be as simple as trading cards to uh, real estate loans. You yeah. know. So, I kind of get the sense it will act similarly to how altcoins tend to sort of the money tends to obviously gravitate towards the majors, and I kind of get the sense NFTs will do that too, where a lot of the shit stuff, the money will will go to the you know the, the more the premium stuff um, is my sort of thinking. Um, so you, you mean like there'll be new NFT projects that'll like bubble up, flip them, volume will dry up, they'll go to zero, yeah, and, and then that the money profits. will you know go into your fidendas and punks and, and and inflate those more, you know, and there'll be quite a disparity between the shit and the, the good stuff. What about dinos? Is that a store value? Oh, you know, what? are you not a member of Dino Dow? Have we got any you Dino Dow members? I looked at them on my stream the other day, and I was quite tempted to be honest. <laughs> That's because DinoDAO is the uh, elite upper echelon of crypto society. They're almost so shit that I'm kind of like, yeah, I kind of want one. Look, in the metaverse, what if you want to be a dinosaur? There's only 100 of them. Yeah. (laughs) There was one I was was looking at, it was like 40 ETH. It's probably like doubled now, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, What I like about them is the, the thesis is simple. One, it looks stupid. And two... Uh, if you want to make a full set of like that art blocks, like whatever, um, then you've got to get a dino and there's only a hundred of them. Kobe's a full community member. He's got his dino and his, uh, Twitter banner and everything. Dan, look how happy he is. His his tail looks a little bit like a penis, but why is that dino more valuable than uh, a pixel deck? Just so I can like understand and learn, you know, in this new space. I don't know. I just did what Bob Laxative told me to do. Bob Laxative said, I've got one, 3AC have got one, Vincent's got one, and Von Mies has got one. So I was like, I'll fucking fucking buy one then. (laughs) It's a dinosaur, isn't it? It's stupid. I was was watching a TV show that night, and I was like, do I get up and go spend $100,000 on a dino, or do I keep watching this TV show? And that was about a $300,000 mistake to not (laughs) (laughs) Well, wait. At the same time, my wife would have been like, "What are you doing?" We're like, uh, just buy nothing. I'm just gonna sit here. <laughs> Ledger, can I ask you a question about your marital relationship? Sure. Thanks. Um, do you ever discuss no. your never nothing? Um, if I do, I have to go sell like half my portfolio because it'll be a top. <laughs> like if I'm like. Uh, oh, so when you talk to her about it, it means it's topping because you're like, I'm you've too- built up the confidence to say, look, look yeah. how I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it means it's over. So <laughs> now the only time to talk about it is be like, okay, we took this money out. It's in the bank and it's like no longer exposed to crypto. That's real. Everything else is just fake internet money. All right. So you're never like, I just spent like, you know, 150K on a pixel. Um, no, that would be problematic. <laughs> all right okay okay i just needed to know one time i uh showed her my rare me bit and uh she was not impressed (laughs) (laughs) 
didn't you like 100x on your rare me bit yeah she did gear didn't matter she just called you an idiot yeah she was like what are you doing with these <laughs> can we do an episode one time where it's just yes. me you and your wife hanging no. out like no <laughs> I'll quit. You should just go through his collection. No. With her. Uh, uh, that would be amazing. All right. Uh, does anyone else have uh, partners that they um, talk to the, about their investment theses in uh, the vaporware that we've made in industry? I trade the 30 second chart and you think I've got a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, fair point, mate. Fair point. <laughs> Cry. I uh, yeah. talk to my girlfriend a lot about the market, and uh, every day she does the opposite of what I do, and she seems to make money. So. <laughs> Does she have a crypto Twitter account or a Telegram account? Oh no, she just has a like a Square Crypto or Cash App. She like <laughs> she arps she arps Cash App in the. <laughs> oh god! Um, all right, I, I lost where we were. We we're talking about Avalanche ecosystems. All right, yeah. Jim doesn't play in them. He just trades Bitcoin on the thirty-second chart. <laughs> um, cool. The other thing I want to talk about is dog money. Dog money is a big topic these days. Because everyone's fractionalizing their um, their NFTs into into pixel fractions and making hundreds of millions of dollars and shit. Um, and like, there's just so much dog money now. Like, there's obviously the OG Dogecoin from like fucking 2013 or whenever it was. Then you got Shiba. I don't know what that does, but that's worth like four and a half billion dollars or something, um, which is seems like that doesn't make sense to me. But sure. Then there's another one on ETH. I can't remember its name. Worth like four hundred million, which is oh, just yeah. another dog coin. Um, then Path fractionalized his uh, NFT from the original sale. Like the the photographer of the original dog did a series of photos. He bought one and he fractionalized it. And then obviously, please a DAO today fractionalized the uh, the like actual photo. This one on the screen at the top of the screen. Um, and they raised like what forty five fifty million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this like NFT is now valued at like two hundred and fifty million dollars or something. Yeah. Does like does this make sense to anyone? <laughs> does anyone no, explain this? Literally goes over my head. So I just can't even fathom it, honestly. <laughs> so this this picture this picture is has a two hundred and fifty million dollar market cap. Yeah, because they sold 20% of it for like 50 million or some shit. Dan, what are your thoughts? <laughs> look, I, this is all just like goes in the bucket of like, you can't look at this stuff and be like, oh, I'm going to get really bearish here. Like, it's just like, like, there's just too much money, right? Like, there's just like, they, that's the problem. What are your thoughts on the NFT market and uh, J-Pal's dovishness uh, the last week or two or whatever, saying that no rate increase for the rest of the year? Yeah, I just, I don't, I, I'm super, super, super hesitant that they're going to do anything to like slow this um, in any capacity. Like they'll talk about it, but like, I don't think no, nobody wants to do it. Right. Like nobody wants to be that person who like comes in and like slows things and like ends an era of just unlimited sort of like free money. 
So I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I don't think that's going to happen for a while. I, and I, I don't know what will be the turning factor to make that happen. Like, I'm not like a macro sort of like policy guy. I just like don't – any indication I've gotten from people who are much smarter on that front is um, that it's business as usual for at least the next six months, which means that this is just going to – like, look, you're going to get weirder and weirder things that are going to happen because there's just huge sums of money moving through the system and it's going to find its way into weird corners. Right. Like if you, like if you like the, think about like all of crypto, like think about like all of what NFTs are worth. Right. It's like still not that much money in the, the global scale. Right. Like, it's yeah. like, yes, it seems like absurd, but if you're like, all right, like we're going to inject $2 trillion of liquidity into the system and like, Oh, like a bunch of like random JPEGs are going to be worth like, $20 billion. Like that's, they'd be like, oh, like that's not the craziest thing in the world, right? That, that's a very small portion of all that money. And like, it just happens to find itself in weirder pieces of the market. Like as time goes on, I, I think the big problem is going to be, all right, does that money start to like bleed into the real world? Right. Cause that's like when you have problems, like people like messing around on the internet, like trading JPEGs is like largely a victimless sort of world in the sense that like nobody's like really creating problems in their lives, like with this sort of thing, what you have problems in your lives is like, if certain like real world assets suddenly start becoming like out of reach for like large swaths of the population, right? Like if housing triples, like now you have a problem. So like, I, I don't think we're in that sort of domain of like where things would like sort of be forced, but yeah, this is going to be like a, a, just a side effect of like the world and the policy we live in probably for a while. And like, I, I don't think it's going to get any less weird. I, I really think the money, like I said, I think it just keeps pushing in. Like it's, there's more trying to get in than there's not. So it's going to find its way to weirder stuff. I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I mean, I think you're right, but I don't like it. <laughs> what it means for the next six months of my life. I don't want to live those six months. <laughs> like, I, I'd like to sleep through them and then just afterwards be like, uh, didn't happen. It's got, if it gets weirder and weirder, it's going because I, I I have to cope. I cope a lot. I'm from the old school of crypto where what we were taught was that everything is a scam yeah. and it like it goes up and you got to flip it and you can't be a believer. And as soon as it gets weird, get the fuck out because that's it. As soon as it's weird, you got to bail. And that like kept, it meant you survived through uh, 2012 to um, 2017, 2018. And 2018, 2019 was the first sort of time where being a believer was really rewarded, I think. It was like people that were believers from 2018, 2019 um, – they fucking killed it. And may- maybe that'll sustain. Maybe that'll be like um, uh, uh, a thing that like into the future believers like now outperform because people have started innovating. People start to build real shit and everything's not just a fucking scam now. Um, and like Bitcoin believers obviously were highly rewarded and um, ETH-, ETH holders as well. But uh, if we're in the next six months, I got to believe in stupid shit and I got to endure things getting weirder and weirder. All my internal programming is going to be like fucking sell everything fucking sell everything fucking sell everything mm-hmm. i'm gonna to have to time lock all my assets can i do that can i put everything into time lock or some shit you got to do the coma thing you could just uh, uh, take like yeah. some percentage to cash every week whether it's one percent five percent ten percent i think so, that sounds like sensible that sounds like a financial plan <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't think kobe's ego of wanting to call the Pico top is going to fit with like DCA out, right? <laughs> he's going to steadily that, sell. He's the person that wants to make that candle that he was talking about, you know? Yeah. I maybe just need to go on holiday for a while and just like not play. 
Yeah. I yeah. Know. I mean, you don't have to play, right? Like that's the other thing. Like I look, I, I've, I've, this is like, like I probably have made the least money of anybody in this chat, like on NFTs, like, and there's, there's guys here that like, like that's all that, they that fucking on do NFTs now. qualifier was. it was relevant uh no like i just like i don't have time right like and i I said this because like a couple of the junior guys on the desk are like they're really in it and i'm like i'm so happy for them running with it and like killing it and all that jazz and like we don't do it at the firm because it's just like it's a weird asset to trade because it's like it it just like doesn't really fit and so everybody's just doing it really in a personal capacity um and like i just don't have time right like i can't like I'm so busy with the existing sort of stuff running and like family obligations and whatnot that like, I can't be like scheduling 25 NFT drops over the course of like a week to like, and I, and I get that I'm like, I know, right. I'm like in my head, I'm like, if I'm doing this activity, I will absolutely make money. But at some point you're like, all right, like I'm okay. Just like, like I don't have to know everything or do everything. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like I'm getting old, but I'm just like, that's, <laughs> like all right, that's fine. Like, like that's no, entirely okay. You're, you're just you're getting to that point in life where you're just finding out the uh, the important things and family and friends are one of them. And you can True. Like it's, it's, yeah, and I think like right that definitely comes with time too. But no, and like but like I watch it as like an observer and I'm like you like see it and you're like I know if I do that activity and like you get like sort of that fumble, but it like sort of fades a little bit with time. I think or maybe like I said, it's just like function of getting older where you're like look like. I like this. I said the same thing when the guys went to Miami for like the conference, and I was like, I can't go. Like, I have a young kid. Like, there's no way like that's gonna like fly. I was like, I know you guys are gonna have a great time, and like, I would want to go, and like, I understand. Like, but I don't really have FOMO from it because I'm like, it's just not possible anymore. Like, that's just like the reality of like sort of how the whole thing's gone. So I don't know. Maybe like getting. Yeah, it does sound like you're getting old. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, when you're in crypto, you t- you age like three times as fast. It's like that planet in Interstellar in Inverse, where it's like <laughs> if you're in crypto, it goes like, oh, I've been in ten years. I'm, I'm like fifty now. Fuck. Yeah, I just hit my four year anniversary on like crypto Twitter, and I just was thinking like it seems like so much longer than four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just I, like when, I just when COVID started. It feels like it's been a decade. It really does. Yeah, that was like a year and a half. <laughs> I made my crypto Twitter account in, I made the Kobe account in 2013. Yeah, sometimes I see tweets. Yeah, sometimes I see tweets for that I posted in like 2013, 2014 or whatever. I don't remember them. And they've got like three likes. And I'm like, Is, was this me? Like, was this, like I, did I write that? I don't remember writing that at all. What was I doing? <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I, and I'm old as fuck, so. But I still get FOMO, and I still have FOMO into NFTs. I'm really bad at it, so whatever. Can I just say one, one more thing about the NFT thing that I'm most intrigued about? is sort of, I think people are underestimating, like, the, the bridge between the, the traditional art world and the sort of digitalized art world that's happening, and I think that's going to bring in significant money, which is why I'm sort of more interested in trying to find the, the more niche art stuff as opposed to like these like profile picture type crap that I think I think they're gonna end up getting liquidated in order to, to and, and flow into the really good stuff. But I think you're more likely to see some like traditional artists enter the scene like your Damien Hurst who's already done it and stuff. I think that's really compelling and interesting. I almost think it's bigger than crypto and I think as crypto nerds are like turning it into 
an, you know, an extension of the crypto market when actually it could be its own entity eventually. Does that mean you're bullish ETH? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> um, don't, alien, don't alienate your community now, mate. I know. <laughs> Is ETH going to be the place where that occurs long term? Exactly. Like it's one? interesting. You know, what? I've not really thought about that as much. Maybe. Maybe I am bullish ETH. Fuck. I think there's like there's two things. There's like um, there's like the art, the existing art world moving on to Ethereum, and then there's the creation of sort of uh, crypto culture and the art of crypto culture. And like every cultural movement has its own leading artist and its own art style and stuff like that. And um, yeah, like sure, like Hearst will move on, and the, these old boomer artists might move on, and. Uh, like try and monetize on a new platform like basically using the internet for the first time when artists move on to instagram and and shit but um you'll also have these like breakout artists who were part of this sort of digital art movement and this nft movement that might become the most valuable artists overall because you're capturing the cultural movement on yep. the moment that as it happens and if crypto does go on to be like the you know foundation of the economic uh, system then um capturing the the cultural moment is therefore like um a very good investment. And also the people that own those things from those times probably don't want to sell them so much because the clout is more important than the money because they all got rich anyway because they were all owned, you know, Solana or whatever. I'd expect I'd expect some large galleries to start curating on, you know, maybe on OpenSea or whatever, maybe doing sort of interactive, um, what do you call it, exhibitions and whatnot, you know, your Saatchi galleries of the world and stuff. I think, you know, I think the next sort of five years are going to be really, really quite exciting, actually, for the NFT. I think the ones that move on that don't make as much sense is when you're taking physical art and you just, like, scan it and turn it into mm. an NFT. That's not... <laughs> you stick it in your scanner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's less interesting to me. But, like, Hearst was, was, a, was relatively interesting because they're actually forcing people to choose do they want the digital version or the physical version. The physical versions are all, like, locked in a vault or something, and they're mm. going to destroy them if they choose the digital version. Uh, so like, that's just a fun thought experiment to figure out what's more valuable, the physical or the digital. And then the other stuff that I think makes sense is when it's digital only and it's either interactive or programmatic or, you know, generative or whatever, there's obviously a lot of experiments there that make sense and, and can be really interesting. And that stuff to me definitely makes sense for why like galleries would want to install something where, you know, you go and you look at stuff that's digital first. Um, All right. I got a question. I got a question. If we're in this sort of uh, gigantic cultural movement and this is, you know, um, the industrial revolution again, but the beginning financial and digital, what is the Mona Lisa? What NFT that currently exists (laughs) is the Mona Lisa of the future? Uh, is Is it like that crypto punk with all the traits that Danny or whatever owns? Is it a Beeple? Is it the hash mask that I've got called Girlfriend? <laughs> I, 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 I think it's the punk that you just mentioned. Yeah, one of the, the, the yeah. super... Yeah, the, 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 you know, because art obviously defines areas and it's culturally significant. And I think punks kind of define that the start. You know, they're so significant culturally that I think I think they're the, they're the ones to hold for sure. I almost even, th- you know, I'd question Fidenza's 
value personally, I think it's probably overvalued, whereas punks are probably undervalued right now. In my why, Jason, what do you reckon? Oh, yeah, we're going with the why. We're going with the why because Ledger's just Ledger's just bought a load of Fidenzas and he don't like this fudding of his bags. So he's, so he's, he's hoping, he's hoping that you've got a really bad follow up to this question. I have not bought a load. I'm actually of really intrigued by what you said, Jim. Uh, I'm really uh, interested to learn from you about why you think punks are undervalued. Follow up question, Kobe. Why? What? What qualities of the Mona Lisa make it like the pico top of like art culture? Jim first. So right. you want me to elaborate on why I think punks are undervalued, yeah? Yeah, for sure. Uh, because, like, for me, like, art's defined by eras and styles. You know, you've got your sort of, uh, you know, you, you went from photorealism to impressionism to abstraction to contemporary. And I just feel it like it, it marks the, the new era in, in art and digitalized art. Um, and I think they're significant on that level. Uh, which is why I think they're undervalued, just for their cultural significance. You know, they're not necessarily artistically compelling, but the the, the actual, you know, the the the, the you know, you, you know, what I'm trying to say. Jim, I think you've just doxed yourself as like an art auctioneer. Can you do like an auction voice of like we've got lot number seventy five? <laughs> <laughs> no, I am a bit of an art nerd actually. That's why I'm quite intrigued by this whole space. What was your question for me, Jason? Uh, why is the Mona Lisa the pico top of like cultural art representation? I guess. All right, name like five famous pieces of art. Mona Lisa. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's like Mona Lisa, and there's the fucking scream thing, and the Starry Night, and then like what else? The oh the um the roof of the the Justine Chapel Chapel. What's that called? But there are things that sell for a whole lot of money, like. One of ones, if you will, uh, in the real world, that you know, you just hear <laughs> one of ones. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, God. Here's the question: Like, why is the Mona Lisa so like so special? And that's why I was asking Jim, like, why is it so special? Like, it's a portrait, and Jim was saying it's it's a specific portrait in a specific just, style in a specific point in history, confluencing between different like artistic movements, right? In well, terms of, uh, especially in today's day and age, because obviously it's about profiteering and, and, you know, art's almost been turned into some capitalist sort of movement as opposed to an artistic one. And I think almost marketing itself is an art form now that, you know, and, and I think... It's just money laundering, man. Yeah, it is, it is <laughs> in a way. Uh, but, you know, with a bit more culture. But... Um, um, what am I trying to say? Yeah, I think punks, you know, they're just so marketable in that sense, you know. Um, I'd like to like, take a moment to apologise to any listeners that actually know anything about art. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've really butchered it for you. Um, Dan, what do you think about the role that um, on-chain activity via NFTs is playing in terms of, like, platform scalability like demand for solana or layer twos and all that stuff oh i guess you're like sort of question like where's this stuff gonna live like where's it gonna yeah where's it gonna live or like do you think this has been a bullish impact for both ethereum and solana or more one than the other yeah so i've I've said this a bunch of times and i feel like like people either like they don't listen to me or they like sort of think I'm like anti-ETH, but like, or I kind of don't even really care. But like the, the main thesis is like, look, like 
Solana has one spillover because ETH is being successful, right? So, like, you can be bullish on both of them, like, going forward. But, like, the reality is, like, at some dollar value of transaction costs, like, mar- like marginal utility of things happening on ETH becomes not possible, right? Like, you like yeah. take it to an extreme, right? If you're paying $5,000 a mint or even more than that, like, at certain times, like, certain, certain things that are, like, people... People want to do this, right? And like a lot of people want to do this activity. And like you're going to price out large swaths of people at certain point at that like sort of fee level, right? That being said, there's a lot of very wealthy people that still exist in ETH that will continue doing that activity. And like that will remain. So like you get bullish. I think of it as like the second order effect of like ETH being successful is that Solana gets successful or like Avalanche gets successful, right? It's the natural like spillover of a ton of people pushing through a tiny door. Now, like the big looming question in all this is like, do the L2s just cannibalize that or does it all just spill over onto the other chains? I'm a buyer of it spilling over to the other chains. This is like where like people like have the big fight, right? This is like where people are like, no, it'll only ever like sort of like stay on ETH and it'll all just be like L2s. And like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not necessarily sold on that just because we're seeing flight to other stuff like when there's like demand for block space like coming in so i i just like and like it's sort of the same argument people had with bitcoin and eth like way back in the early days just obviously a little differently where they were like well everything could just happen on bitcoin like we'll just like do it on bitcoin and like that just doesn't work right like we've seen this sort of play out before where it just it expands horizontally like that's just like sort of how the asset class at least of the last two years has like really sort of showed so i think that trend will continue so in terms of like platform like i think they're both going to be very successful and i think like they're intertwined sort of in that relationship um going forward obviously like it's it's worse it goes the other way really negative too right if nobody wants to use this stuff well then nobody wants to use any of the space on solana for sure and they want to use even less of the space on ether right so like it, it bites you both ways sort of on that side but if you're a buyer that like net demand for block space and activity is in aggregate going up over time then yeah, you can you want to be along both. Like you want to like sort of think that that's like the direction it's going to go. But the high the higher value stuff dollar wise is definitely going to probably consist on ETH, just because like you get that security, but you also like all the high dollar stuff already exists there. You know, like it's the older sort of one accruing value. No, no. So that's what I, that's what I sort of think about the whole thing. But like, look, certain processes. Like I don't want to say broke because people get mad about that, but like it's just like the experience is shitty sometimes. Like trying to do certain stuff and like that. That is like a if you're new to the industry and you're coming in like that is a big headache like people definitely like bump up against and I think that that's something we just as a community of people like try to dismiss but it it very much has been like my real world dealing of like bringing people into this ecosystem who don't like normally do it that have like other jobs and things and I'm like oh go on MetaMask and like do this stuff and like next thing I know I'm like trying to cancel transactions for them or they're like oh I don't have enough gas to like pay for this thing and like like stuff like that is like a hurdle so. That also like pushes people to other chains at like certain times. I think if, so, you're, not, that's my if you're not spending like a thousand dollars, even the price of a send is just too much. Um, because if you spend a hundred bucks or you're trying to send somebody a hundred dollars, it might cost twelve, fifteen dollars mm-hmm. to send it. It just makes no sense. And I think there's this kind of rational part mm-hmm. of our brain that says, okay, a credit card transaction, one, we don't mm-hmm. even eat that, right? As a customer, whereas you see it on an ETH transaction, but a credit card transaction about 3% gets lost in the system. And I kind of view that as a like worst case scenario is what it, what it should be. Like you shouldn't really be spending more than 3% of a transaction to make it on a blockchain. And if well, you, and how much of that 3% is fraud, right? Like how much of that is like baked into the fact that it like has to, it, it exists in a system that doesn't have finality of settlement that quickly, right? So like right. you can skip that. Yeah, so it should be even less. It should be 
like that's what appeals to me about going like you know we've been making fun of a- AVAX but it's EVM compatible and I spend like 40 cents to make transactions there that makes a lot more sense just from a rational human perspective and honestly when I talk to somebody and say they've got five or $10,000 to roll with and that's a lot of money in the real world um, they can't do it on Ethereum you legit cannot you cannot have a $5,000 bankroll and operate on Ethereum Dan, what if the value is at the application layer, like for real world applications, instead of just like sloshing liquidity between chains? Like, what does that look like? Are you talking about like what can sort of like be natively supported on one versus the other? Like, so outside of the crypto universe, right? Like, like we're all just, we're like, honestly, like truly like full transparency. We're all just generous, like transferring liquidity back and forth and profiting here and there. Um, so like, once this once this technology actually gets like real usage from the real world, from like institutions, from whatever, uh, doing like you know institutional products, whatever, like, um, what does that look like in, in from all this like all these perspectives? Like, where, where's the value go? Like, is it application or is it protocol or layer two, ETH, whatever? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I mean, like, I think like the the, the biggest winners are going to be like the applications that like tap into it first, right? And like, if I had, if you put a gun to my head and you're like, where does this like sort of like work out first? It's probably the look here. So you have like this weird world, right, where the risk free lending rate and like, risk free and like air quotes because there's a lot of like weird risks associated, but like the baseline yeah. rate that exists like inside crypto is an order of magnitude higher than the rest of the world, right? And the rest of the world has a ton of money in comparison to like the crypto world. And that's not going to exist forever, right? Like that, that is going to get arbed away. And like, you're going to see those pools of capital come in. Like that's just yeah. like, the, it, they'll find that way. And like, it's basically gap right now because of like compliance and like regulatory concerns, but they'll figure out a way. Like there's just too much money that like people won't do this. So like my, my natural inclination is like those supporting protocols that are going to be able to like, look like whether it's like the governance tokens for the things that work for it or it's the chains that it like sit on top of like that's where the most value will accrue as the real world starts to bridge into this because that's like the biggest use case that i see happening in a short term that's like easily definable so like i don't know if that completely answers your question but like that's like sort of where and i think it will be on the tokens that are primarily providing that service and then secondarily that will be the underlying network that it sits on but probably the base layer like I like so it would be like Ave Compound ETH, right? Like that would be like that ratio of like sort of how that like trickles down. That being said, like those 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 assets are extremely volatile and risky from a regulatory side. So like it's going to take time. But like if that shift occurs, that would be sort of how I see it like playing out. Do you think L2s should have a token? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think the ones, I don't know, this is going to be like a big leap, but I think like if you're going to have an L2 that like wins, I think it'll have a token. And I think oh, that- Oh, yeah, okay. So you right. need one defensively because so, someone will copy paste and have right. a token. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And like that's just that just will happen. And then that begs the question of is an L2 with a token better than an L1 with a token, right? And like this is like where I know- I mean, from AVAX is like always making this argument, right? About there's no real difference between the two. And I think that we're going to see probably the reality of that play. I think it will be fine. Like, there's I think no it will like still between what two? L1 and L2? Like, uh, like, what's like an L2 on ETH with its own native token versus, say, AVAX? Like, that's like sort of his argument. Like, what's, what are, like, why is one necessarily better than the other? 
isn't and like you can be like well it has finality that's like tied back to like the eth chain and he's like well it doesn't really matter because your like native token matters more sort of in the security model of the whole thing uh, obviously it's very dependent on like how those things are like built too but so that's the core thesis that like, he's always been like pushing so it's kind of measuring like the cliff of where does the security model do good enough right like if it's good enough then you can have a certain type of application there a certain type of activity there right you might not be able to settle for the bsc security model but you could settle for the polygon one or the avalanche one yeah like if, if ethereum can settle like 100 billion in like real world yielding assets and like avax can't where's the value go you know that kind of thing yeah so if you're gonna i think it, it, it also just like starts to change like the narrative right like if you have an l2 that's suspend disbelief is worth 20 times what eth is worth like is it really the l2 like no right like then that's the network and then i don't know like, the, like that's an extreme sort of like taking it in that direction but like you have to like think about that in terms of like if that's where all the activity has and that's like where all the value is and, like all the assets are bridged or put on there then like how does that matter so again like i'm not technically competent enough to like discuss the inner workings of that but i think about like the economic like rationales of like tokens so that but like i like the at bare minimum like the l2s are going to have tokens what do you think about the liquidity fragmentation between all this i think it'll be fine just because the large deaths are so big and they like smush everything together now arbitrum withdraws like what a week yeah yeah you get on instantly, but it takes a week to get off right now. Yeah. Yeah. That is a downside versus like an avalanche where you can just bridge back instantly and, you know, you, you keep that. You don't go like, I want to do something. Oh, God, I've got to plan a week in advance. Yeah, but realistically, I think right now most or all bridges are like quite centralized or require yeah. Yeah, a yeah. lot. They're very low capital efficiency because they need liquidity on both sides all the time or something like that. There's I gotta, sacrifices. I got to I got to think like exchanges will probably offer some way of bridging in and out that like, they just like pick a fee for like you doing it instantly too. Right. Like somebody's like, that's, that's a market right there. Right. Like there's like a very good opportunity there for somebody to make some money to like, be like, Hey, how much to do it now? And like take some credit risk on it. FTX already yeah. does. Like if you're withdrawing Ethereum on FTX us, it'll say like, do you want to do uh, Ethereum on Solana or Ethereum on ETH? And like, you're just, they're doing it for you because they've got pools of capital in both places. Um, so like one way to bridge is just sending from your wallet to the exchange and then back out. Obviously well, centralized. We, yeah. We, we, we do the same thing to swap stable coins. Yeah. That's like an application layer example of like where the value accrues because FTX is worth what? 16 billion? Something crazy? Yeah. A little bit more than that, I think. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, ideally, yeah. ideally an automated system that goes through something completely decentralized like curve would be more fun um, if you get good rates and you know good speed out of it uh, because you just oh, God, I had a multi like multi jump uh, curve swap the other day and it was a fucking terrible experience like they I swapped like a bunch of money the curve swap in the curve interface broke so it just was like didn't say anything it was like done it was like nothing there i looked at metamask the money was gone <laughs> the money was not in metamask and i didn't do a test transaction or anything i just fucking did the whole thing and i was like all right and i messaged my friend who works curve and i was like what's going on <laughs> and he was like oh you just need to refresh the page and then in eight minutes it'll send you an nft and then you just need to get the money from the nft by like completing the transaction and i was like 
what? <laughs> Why did you send me my money at fucking NFT? <laughs> Just fucking give me my money back. Why does it have to take eight minutes? Uh, I understand now. It's like something to do with Chainlink and how Synthetics does um, uh, like anti-front running stuff. But it was a terrible experience. <laughs> I did not like it. And it was not the future of finance. <laughs> I had a very bad time. I, I think you've been doing this for like going on nine, 10 years, right? Forever. And like, you're like confused and you have to like DM somebody in support that you happen to like be able to get to. Like think about yeah. like somebody that like stumbles <laughs> upon this, like who's three months into crypto and like, there's just like, they're going to be so baffled and probably yeah, give up. I, I looked at my uh, ether scan and like all the money had gone to like this address that was called black hole. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Um, <laughs> <Good name for it. laughs> It was not enjoyable. I didn't like it. Um, Twitter has just announced that you can put a Bitcoin and ETH address in your profile now. Boy, fun. Both in ETH address too? Yeah. ETH address, yeah. Jack's caved to the uh, Vitalik lobby. I mean, is it is there anyone in the world who's like making the weirdest business decision than Square not supporting stable coins natively? And it's so much of, like, <laughs> it's a large percentage of their revenue already with Bitcoin. It's so weird. Like I, like you, I don't know. Like as a business decision, you could be like, this is just does not make sense. Yeah. I, uh, I don't understand. Like it's almost like there's, they owe it to their shareholders to support more, don't they? I mean, they're just leaving massive amounts of money on the table. And part of their mandate is to like return value to their shareholders. So I, I mean, somebody's me. somebody's gonna make a killing being the bank that finally lets you like natively interface stable coins, and they're like uniquely positioned to do it, and they refuse to. Yeah, that is quite interesting. But, like, but is it them or is it just like some other thing? Like he's building like a Bitcoin Dex. Yeah, no, but it's those things in the background, right? Like that's like the thing is like they're they're ideologically, or at least it seems to be ideologically driven. Versus, yeah, like business i don't know it's it's odd as like a bystander watching it what would happen on a bitcoin deck you just trade bitcoins for other bitcoins i don't know <laughs> i think i said you can only sell altcoins for bitcoin that's the only thing you right. can do yeah. mm. so well, i look forward to it maybe it'll be cool uh last week we talked to uh sam tabasco and we talked a little bit about options and he said options are not very important uh, yet for crypto. And I wanted to ask y'all one, do you trade options? Is it part of your book or portfolio? And two, like how important do you think it is in the market? And three, Kobe, what pants are you wearing? Kobe, move your chair. I got like, I got like some shiny green, like fucking, those are, those are very good. There you go, mate. They're shiny. Those are, Uh, I'll be back in a moment. Excellent. Um, so who wants to talk about options first? So we, we do trade options. So we have a dedicated head that just trades ball. Um, and I agree that it's not important. Like, it, it, look, it's like, there's, it's just like, it, look, it makes money. Like it makes sense to do as a business, but like at no point am I like, what is like going on in the market? And then I go look at like what the ball market's doing. It's just like, it's not relevant yet. It's too small. Yeah. So you don't think it's like impacting where the price of Bitcoin is in any given time? No. Uh, Jason and Jim, are y'all options traders? Uh, I was, I was, I've been interviewing an options trader to potentially bring on, and Dan just maybe said I shouldn't hire him 
<laughs> no, 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 he'll, he'll, he'll justify like his head, like he'll make money, but like you, he like won't have insight into what the market's going to do. Like there's money there. Yeah, no, it's, it's up my pay grade. I'm, I'm sort of trying to learn a bit more about the options flow, but I'm, I'm definitely not knowledgeable enough to speak on it yet. Dan, as part of why you think it's important to have that person in your shop or have that knowledge if you're an individual trader is because you think that it will become more important? Do you think that's inevitable or do you think crypto markets can always kind of exist without that element of derivatives? No, I mean, it's it's optionality on optionality, right? So like what, what will likely happen and like, I don't know who said this first, but like it's like the right answer is like eventually there'll be an ETF and the options on the ETF are we're going to do all this trade. It's like, it, it just, look, I like Deribit. We use it. It's a ton. Like it's it, it, like it matters. There's not enough organic takers of liquidity on it that the market has been able to like grow big enough. And I think you will see that. I mean, look, I will. I'm not going to say guarantee, but the closest thing you have to a guarantee is that like there's suddenly an entire world of people that trade equity options that now can suddenly trade crypto options backdoor through the ETF. Yeah. Well, also, uh, FTX US purchased LedgerX, which has zero volume. I learned this the other day. The day before they announced this acquisition, I sent some Ethereum to LedgerX because I wanted to buy Ethereum options. And Kobe was like, you're an idiot. You're just buying calls at resistance, uh, which was true. I just got lucky. Uh, except for the fact that like, I... Even two or three ETH of premium, you, know, you had to sweep the ask across every contract that they have to get that. Like, there's zero volume, there's zero order flow. So I'm I'm hoping that uh, FTX will help fix that because that's really the only place that an American retail participant can participate in the options market because it's quite difficult for Deribit unless you're an institution, right? Do you have anything to do with the company Ledger X? Is it a coincidence that you're both called Ledger, or are you just shilling your own bag? Yeah, I just secretly own 100% of that. So I just got cashed out. That was good. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, thanks. No, um, no, I think they booted the original founders. Uh, Paul and Jutica. Yeah, they got. They were at a pretty public fight with the, with the SEC. And, uh, CTC, but yeah. Yeah, and the uh, CTO is the CEO of LedgerX now. Um, but that seems like a big deal, in my opinion, for getting Americans involved in the options market in crypto uh, and putting an, like the FTX name behind it seems relevant. How long is it until you reckon that Pfizer and FTX do FTX vaccines in order to like <laughs> boost adoption within the crypto community? <laughs> Get a fee rebate. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> be like the only two public companies that have revenue models. Uh, every, everybody else just lives on growth. Um, all right. What have we not covered? We spoke about dog money. We spoke about L2, L1. We spoke about the scams on Avalanche. Um, we have uh, spoken about I have, what have I missed? I have another question on this cross-layer stuff. So what do you think is the importance anybody who's participating in like having unique products on these different layers or chains versus having like the key brands, you know, the compound and Ave and Uniswaps uh, working on all of them? Like, why can't it just be the same, you know, the same organizations on all of them? Or is it better for like independent protocols and organizations on the different uh, layers? 
I tend to be a buyer that like you'll just see the major ones on all of them. Yeah, and, like they'll slowly push out. Like there's you have a window here where like people are able to like raise and be like the X on Y, and like that works. And like some of those will survive and be okay, but like that that door is closing. Yeah, ultimately, it's like honestly, like if crypto is a bit like exchanges, and honestly, just like any other like technological offering, like there's going to be like platform plays of entire like business models across crypto chains. It's going to be crazy, and probably a lot of people won't expect it. But like if like back to Dan's early point, where it's like value probably goes to the application, then the base layer. I think that's what you said. I'm sorry if I am. Yeah, no, that was right. Okay, Uh, like you're going to need to provide actual like I guess business or just like just actual value and like however you implement that is dependent on the economics of a, any given chain or any given offering. And so like that's the bridge from just being crypto, like insulated to crypto and highly speculative to like highly real. Right. Um, what do you think Kobe or, or Jim? After you, Jim. Oh yes. I, I, not a, not a, Tech guy, I don't know. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I think ETH might do in the next thirty seconds. But... All, right, like, all right, all right, tell us what's the next thirty seconds for ETH. Uh, it's probably going to go down like thirty cents. Accurate. cost of capital was like pretty good. If it's costly to to like go back and use a chain, you're going to use another chain. If there's like a MakerDAO on AVAX, you're going to use the MakerDAO on AVAX because it costs 30 cents to port your loan across chains and give it to like someone that needs it and that you get yield from. So like, yeah, I was trying to sue the other day and he was, he was basically saying that there are some trades you can do now where the, like it is significantly cheaper just to like go to another chain from ETH, do it and then bridge back. <laughs> is this actually true? Do you just save up gas costs? You save like a grand. Sue, I don't think you need to be saving a thousand dollars. Maybe that's how you, oh, holy shit, actually went down 30 cents. What the fuck? <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> He's a, he can see the future, but only 30 seconds in front. Yeah, so the yeah. worst superpower ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how like Arbitrum and Optimism and all these um, things play out, especially Arbitrum. I'm an equity investor, by the way. I'm showing my own bag. Um, but um, I see they've got like the EVM compatible, basically, so you can just copy paste some shit coin onto, uh, onto it. It's got its own like dog coin gambling happening on there already. Um, so it's interesting if those ecosystems play out the same way these all layer one ecosystems are playing out. And if they... Um, get va- the L2s get valuations that are similar to, you know, because um, in some ways you can use Solana like a ETH layer two, right? Like you can just um, part over, do some shit, mint some NFTs and bridge back. Um, so like, I don't know if it matters too much what it is technically if the end user experience remains pretty similar. So I just feel like in all of this, the inevitability seems that the liquidity and bridging and the back and forth is going to be a really important element of all of that to work well. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Not us. This is not a, this is not a, like a stream for like people that know anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he can't even hold his laptop. Up. What's going on? For you? All right. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just flexing Jesus. his cracking shirt. <laughs> oh, this is, I, I got this when I worked there a lifetime ago. 
Oh, wow. Uh, Wait, how long ago? I worked there late 2013, early 2014. Wow. So, oh, wow. So you've got like a bag of Kraken equity that's like with an potentially upcoming yeah. IPO. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the window for like all of these weird offerings and like SPACs is like slowly shutting a little bit. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't have any edge there. I don't know more than anybody else. Yeah, very, very smart. Good company line. Um, (laughs) 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 All right, Uh, Jim. So can you teach us how to trade the 30-second chart? Like, how did you know? What should I be doing? I want to be able to trade the 30-second chart. So that when – because people always hit you up all the time when you're in crypto, and they go, "Uh, should I buy now? Like, what's it going to do over the next few days? And I'm like – I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> I can I, I, when I know, I do something, but I don't always know on demand. You can't ask me like what it's going to do, and I'm like like Google for the market. I sometimes know, and I make a bet, and sometimes like ninety five percent of the time, I've got no fucking clue. But if I learn the power of predicting thirty seconds in the future, I'll be able to satisfy them by going, "No, oh, well, in the next thirty seconds, it's probably going to do this," and I'll go, "Holy shit!" And then I can move on the conversation. Right, Wait, Jim, I don't I don't mean to cut you off. I got a I got a jet, guys. All right. See you, Dan. It's been real. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jim, I have the 30-second chart open, and we need you to walk us through what we're about to experience. <laughs> sure. Well, well, Christ, I'm not really looking myself. Uh, you well, got a 50% like, chance of being right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, hang on. Let me have a quick look. What are we doing? Um, See, basically, what I use, I use a thing that was called uh, auction market theory. So, so you know, what I like to do is scalp intraday sort of back and forth in these value areas before we sort of establish which way we want to break out of value. So it's basically, it's really hard to explain without showing it, but um, I basically just target, I just kind of try and think like a market maker and target where the liquidity is because basically they're just moving it back and forth in order to, to pick up where active participants want to step in and either buy or sell so you know it's about determining when you range band and when when you're trending i suppose um but yeah i'm just waiting now um so what happens what happens if you like if we break out and make new all-time highs in the like basically east's got a move in the next week right or it's got to wait until like end of the year like you need a big move in the next week or um you get consolidation till December um, mm. or so. Um, but if we do make that breakout in the next week. Well, I think um, I, I can't see it, 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 it looks almost inevitable that it's going to break out. Um, all right. So that, there's a, there's a, some financial advice from, yeah, from like, Jim. There's right, been just substantial viewers, sell- there's no financial advice. Everyone on this show is an idiot. <laughs> there's been some substantial sell pressure from multiple exchanges today that's been absorbed heavily on FTX of all exchanges. Uh, they've absorbed a lot of spot so and we you know we're balancing we're we're, we're we're balancing above yesterday's value area so so basically i'm just waiting for a break now from like the if you know if we break below 3750 you know we'll probably get a dip and if we break above 3800 it's probably going to send so but and the same with bitcoin you know if bitcoin just kind of consolidates above 49.2 just, you know, I see people targeting 52, 56, but it almost seems inevitable that it's going to go all-time highs, in my opinion. I don't, I just don't see why it would stall. You know, if it's going to stall, it's going to stall here. It's not going to yeah. go a bit higher. So, yeah, yeah I, I, that, that makes sense to me. But then if we do make this breakout, what do you do? Because you say you don't like it when it's trending. So do you just mm. like, do you play games? 
like what to do. <laughs> well, I've just started trying to play chess, which I'm crap at, to be fair. But, <laughs> I'm um, really bad as well. But yeah, what do I do? Fucking hell. I just kind of... <laughs> Look, it's the time you can get a girlfriend, mate. That's what you yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe. But um, no, I, I, I can... I do, you know, I'll scalp trends. I'll scalp trend days. You know, I'll just... I just basically skip micro moves all day, so, you know. And I basically right. use order flow to determine if it's a, a down day or an up day or a balance day. That's kind of all I do, really. Discharge stresses me out. <laughs> I kind of, like, have pretty bad, like, ADHD, so if I don't trade the 30-second chart, I'll just procrastinate and lose money. So I've either got to go, like, all-in intense or just go and play chess. <laughs> Like it's gone down to 90 <laughs> seconds in a row and I feel like we're entering a bear market, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, Jay, what about you? If we make new all-time highs, what are you doing? Are you sitting on your hands and chilling or are you like fucking levering up every day? Um, the March 2022 contracts for Bitcoin ETH listed, uh, I think a couple of days ago. Um, I think at the monthly end of August or so. Um, usually six-month uh, contract listings are inflection points and there's usually some sort of scam like it goes the opposite of its trending direction I've noticed I could be wrong but that's just what I've noticed but anyway um, I agree with Jim if we're going to stall anywhere it's going to be here um, there's like a lot of metrics on chain that make you super high time frame bullish but on a medium to like shorter term it's a bit more ambiguous um, and when I say I mean like maybe like a month out um, I see some confluence for some sort of corrective wave to like 36k, maybe 40k or so. Uh, I see it on like some indicators like you know Dan pointed out funding. I see it on you know things like Soper uh, by Renato Shakira, you know that that metric, and some other metrics too, like fundamental, uh, not fundamental, uh, like momentum based, um, like the daily. There's some there's some uh, bear gives that make me a little bit sketched, um, but. You know, when you zoom out and look at some higher level momentum, there's some reason to believe, like, hey, like, we kind of just resumes like, a macro bullish momentum here. Um, like, I shouldn't be scared of dips. I should be a buyer, potentially. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of mixed signals, which is why I've kind of resorted to, like, a mainly, like, cash-centric view and just trading the markets instead of as I see them until some sort of trend is like, until like bearishness is just like completely just blown out, you know? Um, then I can like come back with conviction and be more like spot oriented and like levered up. I'm, I'm long, like, you know, some contracts, but I'm not sure if I'll need to hedge soon or not. Um, so, yeah. Well, I would say you're seeing a lot of like, this is the area where you see a lot of capital rotation because they're trying to entice, sure. they're trying to entice, new participants to send it higher, basically. So sure. that's why you're seeing, like, weird inverse correlations between even Bitcoin over the last couple of days. Wait, so basically um, you mean, like, the people that are in don't want to be in more to, like, push it to all-time highs, so you're trying to... Basically, yeah, you're just trying to hold it up here and stab. You know, if, if buyers step in, they'll send it high. If they don't, they'll send it lower, basically. No. But, I, I, you know, I'm not necessarily seeing as, you know much capital injection at this price level as it was lower, but there is obviously absorption from somewhere. It's definitely harder to read since the lows. Um, it's, it's definitely different different people moving the market for sure. All right, I've got a magic eight ball type question for you. If we do break all-time highs in the next week or two, what is the price at the end of October of Bitcoin and Ethereum? 
<laughs> it's not really a fair question, is it? But I've I asked think, it now. <laughs> I think end of October. Mm. Yeah, two months basically, two months from now. I almost think Bitcoin won't break all time high in that time, but ETH might. All right. So what's your what's your ETH price? What's your Bitcoin price? Oh fuck! I hate <laughs> like this is what I mean. I'm a scalper. I don't fucking know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I could almost see Bitcoin ranging from here to like fifty six for maybe a few weeks. Whereas ETH. If ETH breaks its high, you know, it's probably going to mark up to like 5,600 pretty quick, I'd say. I reckon if we break all-time highs in the next week or so, by the end of October, ETH's around 20K, 25K. Um, Bitcoin, yeah. I, Bitcoin's harder to say because the I don't. it's difficult to predict the strength of it because it's at times been like stronger than everything else and more recently been much weaker than everything else. Yeah. So my range is like abnormally large and therefore cheating, but probably like 130K to 200K um, if they both break all-time high in the next week or so. Um, Kobe, the chat does not believe you, which makes me want to get very long. <laughs> <laughs> only only if it like breaks all-time high convincingly in the next week or two. But then it like, because every, it's acceleration, isn't it? It's a parabolic trend, it's acceleration. I think that's too excited to be honest. But... <laughs> oh, mate, one's too many. <laughs> um, so December 31st, I went on a podcast, shout out Wrecked Podcast, great name for podcast. Um, and they asked me to estimate what I thought would be prices for the year. And I selfishly just want to be able to flex on this later. But my prediction was 64, 66K, something like that for Bitcoin and 6K for ETH on the year with a multi-month like mini bear in the middle. So... I kind of, from a pure flex perspective, I want Bitcoin to not make an all-time high this year (laughs) (laughs) while ETH does, because then I would have nailed it. Um, But I I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of strength as long as the macro markets, like the legacy market doesn't die for some reason. But it's just been up only for so long. Like, what what else? What what we've got to do now is we've got to start putting price targets into people's heads that are so large (laughs) that... (laughs) Like, because otherwise people start getting bearish when it hits 10k. Like ETH 10k, that sounds like quite a lot. So we've got to start making people think about 30k. So when they're at 10k, they can be still bullish. That's our job. Yeah. Look, market manipulators, Twitter influencers, gather together. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is our job for the next couple of weeks. You got to put, you got to inception massive price targets into people's heads so they don't get bearish on the way up. Speaking yeah. of manipulation, since uh, since the high funding rate was mentioned on the show, it's gone down. Good, good. Jim, Jim predicted it in advance, 30 seconds in advance. Funding it's because I'm, I'm short ETH, that's why. <laughs> you, short, you shorted this uh, extremely bearish setup here on the 30-second chart. Yeah, I just told you 5,600 whilst I was filling my shorts. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, that chart stresses um, me out way too much. The, uh, i got to say, if we do... If we do make all-time highs through, um, like, not in the next couple of weeks, but do some, like, like cup and handle type meme things, like, break down here for a bit, make a dip, then uh, all-time highs a bit later on, so towards October, November. I got a tweet from January that is, like, 
but it's ready to be fucking quoted. I guess ready to be retweeted. <laughs> I wrote on January 1st, and it says something like, Bitcoin top, 60K, uh, massive nuke, sideways till October. <laughs> I'm fucking ready for it. That's I'm, I'm just looking at charts. I don't care about the money anymore. I just wanted to do what the tweet said. <laughs> It'll actually fuck me if it goes down. I just want the tweet to be right. I don't care about the money. I feel I feel like there could be a lot of interesting things though if we just go sideways. Like how much craziness could happen in the NFT market if mm. you know Ethereum and Bitcoin aren't really trending heavily into all time high price exploration, uh, or what could happen in these altcoin markets? Um, I feel like there's potentially more money to be made in in that scenario, don't you think? I didn't listen to you at all. Actually, I was reading the chat. <laughs> <laughs> So Someone in the chat just said Kobe is underexposed Solana that he barely talks about on the pod. Solana is like one of the only um, like project episodes we've ever had, and like my third largest position. But um, thank you, stranger, uh, for for your commentary. Uh, on my portfolio from your external psychological perception. I always appreciate um, the armchair psychologists. Um, what about Cardano? What's Cardano top? What's the, Gosh, if we like... It's just up only, man. We should, it is, it is up only. But, like, we've trolled it on this show. We should have just been holding it. <laughs> I bought Cardano on the, um, on the like massive crash when everything like super dumped. Um, cause I, I've got a hedge against, uh, like reality. <laughs> I've got, I've got a hedge against my own, um, beliefs a little bit, but, um, what do you think happens when they release smart contracts? Is it bullish or bearish? Cause it's like really soon, right? Like it, I'm not a believer. I'm not one of the non-believers that they'll never have them. It's like pretty soon. They have the like Plutus or whatever it's called release. Um, but is it a bullish or bearish moment? Is it like a sell the news? Like, oh, it's all been like hype up to this, like when smart contracts are released, it's going to go infinity. Or is it like when smart contracts are released, you can suddenly have its own DeFi ecosystem. You can have Cardano dog coins. You can have Hosky the Hutchie. Husky? Hosky the Husky. That's going to go infinity. <laughs> it's just Hoskinson as a dog. That's going to go fucking vertical. Husky the Husky. Husky the Husky. Um, or is it like, yeah, which way is it? Which way does it go? I'd wager bearish, probably. Just because it's one of those like retail hype coins. <laughs> I'd buy Husky, so, though. I'd imagine the opposite. <laughs> yeah, we're all, all in Husky. <laughs> Husky. <laughs> Neutral Cardano. Um, I think it's there's probably going to like be like a booming ecosystem of like stuff on there. Like there'll be the first... There'll be like the equivalent of Trader Joe on there. There'll be your equivalent of like all the avalanche uh, scams on there. And all the um, all the ADA maxis are like so rich and so convicted that they're completely right this whole time. You know, like they're just going to throw all their ADA into that stuff. Uh, yeah, exactly. The, 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 the like ecosystem and the community is like there's so many people there. There's like the highest search volume stuff on YouTube. If you look at like if you look price prediction and then coin name ada is like by far the highest so the ada ecosystem is going to pop off like you've never fucking seen like more than the solana oh. ecosystem more than avalanche wait it's going to go fucking nuts wait a second since we do no research on the show and know nothing uh plor in the chat said it's not evm compatible so that, yeah that might be a problem like, right like you, it's going to be really hard like, to launch a dog coin 
Yeah, but there's loads on Solana. There's loads of stuff. That's not EVM compatible either. That's a good point. But it's, yeah, not, it's not as easy as like the same people that do the 10 dog coins on one chain, you know, port over yeah, yeah, and launch it right yeah. away. So that means there's opportunity, mate. We just got to learn Haskell. <laughs> like the next three weeks. <laughs> if any Haskell developers want to contact us. Smart contracts are launched in the ADA. It probably brings a dose of reality to the chain. And then you can suddenly, so suddenly people can start valuing it rationally and putting rational valuations to it. Kind of like, you know, you know, the, the, the coins that pump the hardest are ones that people don't know how to value, aka mm-hmm. scam coins. Like you then like take the scam coin away from Cardano, you take that label away, then it's like suddenly real. People are like, oh, this is incredibly overvalued. Yeah, I think that is like potentially possible. Yeah, if you imagine like in reality, it's probably relatively neutral. Ada, like leaning slightly bearish, but like super bullish for the ecosystem stuff because everyone using Ada as like a denomination asset on Cardano to like do Ponzi's basically. Um, and then people that are bad at Ponzi's will lose all the Ada, and people that are good at Ponzi's will have a centralized supply of Ada, which they'll want to sell back to um, other assets, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Not me. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing anymore. I'll just get drunk on like twice a week and chat to this guy from Alabama that I've never met before. So who knows? I love that you have that in your Twitter profile. So good. <laughs> <laughs> I did. We said it before the show started, but like you sound a little bit like Ted Lasso, but you've got the same voice as Ted Lasso. And Ted Lasso is generally a British show. So like, <laughs> and like loads of people in crypto are stealth British. So like me and Jimmy are, it just like it just sounds like a weird episode of Ted Lasso. <laughs> so, what are they talking about in this Ted Lasso episode? It seems to be about finance. Lasso only. Let's go. Let's go, Richmond. <laughs> um, all right, we've been streaming for like an hour and a half, almost um, two hours. Um, chat. What do you want to know, Jason from Telegram? Do you want to know about his future predictions? Do you want thirty seconds of the future predictions from Jim? Uh, <laughs> what do you need to ask Ledger? Give us some questions and then we'll rug you and fuck off back to our real lives. I was just thinking you should just start calling me a wanker every episode. <laughs> Does it happen? Does it happen? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you say a lot of words that I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about... Um, sorry, Nikolai, I cannot ask that question. That would be a conflict of interest. Um, <laughs> that I... I like about um, Ted Lasso is the Roy Kent character. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. Um, all right, here we go. Um, biggest regrets in crypto. That's I guess that's one for everybody. And that was asked by Mark Cuban, whose biggest regret is probably Titan. <laughs> uh, we got asked about the loot NFTs, which they seem epic. I own zero, and I'm really upset about it. I missed the chat message where someone was talking about them being minted for free. So I missed free loot that are now worth like 12 ETH each. And then I voluntarily passed on it at one and a half ETH, one and a half <laughs> each. So that's my own fault. And uh, yeah, so now they're they're like 12 ETH each and they're dropping like $20,000 a day worth of airdrops on people. So it seems <laughs> insanely awesome. If you have some, I do not. Um, but it also, the other thing is it really it lowers the bar even further for doing NFT launches because now you can just put some words on a like black screen and <laughs> sell it for one ETH each or something. So maybe that's how we should make it all back. That's how we should do it. Um, you want to do alpha? 
I don't see anything. No, no, it's like what the the question was biggest regret. Oh, my biggest regret or theirs? Theirs. I don't Everyone's. Yours as well, mate. <laughs> I have too many. Yours is like I started doing this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Every week I talk to people who've made it. <laughs> Jason, what's your biggest regret in crypto? Biggest regret in crypto. He's made every right decision. Uh, no. Not surprisingly. Absolute tosser. Biggest regret in crypto. Not buying the Ethereum ICO when you oh, saw not, it. Not buying it. Yeah. The, Ethereum, the, the original post. Uh, what else? Uh, I don't know. It's, 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 it's weird because it's kind of hard to have regrets because in a way you feel kind of blessed to be in a position where you can be here in a world where the entire structure and fabric of society is kind of melting down right now. Uh, and you see all sorts of people around you suffering a lot of real world shit, you know? Uh, I just, honestly, I just feel blessed. I don't, I don't, I don't see any regrets here. I see nothing but opportunity. So. Yeah. I like people dying all over the world and ledger status flipping fluffs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm not really flipping fluffs yet. I'm just bag holding. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no bias. It's not flipping. There's no bias. They're doing okay. They're, I think I'm going to make it on the fluffs. But um. all right, Jason has revealed his superior mindset. Uh, the superior mindset of a trader that allows him to go forward with optimism and no uh, like sort of hindsight view. Maybe that's why he beats us all. Um, I think it's a decent philosophy. Now. Jim, tell us the good shit. <laughs> Where did you fuck up? <laughs> well, I think being a low time frame guy, I tend to always sell my bags too early. So I tend to regret that pretty much all the time. But, you know, kind of share a similar viewpoint. I, being a low time frame guy, I'm just in and out all the time. So I kind of just dust off any sort of bad mistakes I make, you know, as they come really. So, yeah, just selling early. But, you know, you just get over it, don't you? So that makes sense. I was like a low time frame guy, you like you make like maybe a bunch of trades a day and you make like six of them are mistakes and like 10 of them are not mistakes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you fine. just get used to losing because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know? it's part of scalping. You know, the, the trick with scalping is, is to win more than you lose, but you inevitably lose most days you, you, you take losses. So, you know, just, you just get used to it. Yeah, I think a bunch of like low time frame trading is just like getting really, really, really good at being a loser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You become excellent at being a loser and then you make it. Yeah, the only um, thing you should have in crypto is if you haven't lost because it means you're not taking enough risk. Yeah, I, I, I do like that. I like, I, I fucked up quite badly um, in like 2013, 2014. Um, lost a, a chunk of money and like was chatting to my friend about it. It was like my first like really major, like brutal, like what the fuck did I do that for <laughs> type thing. And I remember it was BTC Drac and I don't think he's on the internet anymore these days. I think he like sort of left in 2017. I remember him saying something like, um, like you're, you, you haven't done your induction or you like, you haven't earned your stripes or some shit until you've lost a hundred Bitcoin. 100 Bitcoin was much less money than it is, <laughs> it is now back then. Um, but like, and I felt like suddenly I was like, ah, oh, okay, right, I get it. It's so like everyone's gone through this, like everyone's gone through this. It's not the end of the world. You just take that and figure out how to not do that again. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I, 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 I get it. Like I've 
done basically everything that you can ever do wrong in crypto wrong <laughs> uh, at least once and um and it just means i don't do it wrong again hopefully yeah i had somebody in my dms the other day be like i went in deep on this and it tanked and i don't know how i can justify taking a bath what do i do and i just responded to him i was like you got to be willing to cut the bag because if you, like if you don't even if you're selling the bottom you're committing yourself to be reliant only on the outcome for what happens from there like you're no you're not in control in that moment so even if it hurts to take a loss like you got to be willing to take a loss uh so that you can regain control to have another opportunity um and that's where some of my bigger mistakes have been if i like lock in on this thesis i'm wrong on the thesis and then you know you just sit there like not in control anymore yeah i i think learning to like um take a loss earlier was like very good for me because i i don't let myself take big losses anymore and so i just like if i'm wrong i trim it straight away or like if i'm wrong fuck it i get out like i this there's some evidence that suggests what i've done is bad and i will immediately use that evidence as like to override my thesis and sometimes it means yeah i make a good trade i don't get a perfect entry it goes against me a little bit and i cut what would have been a great trade but it also means that i don't end up obliterating myself because that i remember back in the good old days when you're down like a decent chunk you don't want to sell in case it immediately reverts and you get tilted for ages but then it just keeps fucking going down <laughs> and you're like all right so i was 30 percent down now i'm 35 percent down all right now i'm 40 percent down fuck well i can't sell now because now it's definitely the bottom oh now i'm 60 percent down and like just making sure i never end up in those situations like i i'm not good at dealing with being underwater so i'd rather just go all right i'll take a five percent loss or a two percent loss or a one percent loss and like fucking yeah. move on rather than um risking a, a a bigger one um someone said you use stop losses um only when i'm asleep mm. jim i have to, i guess you have to use stop losses right uh, not really when I'm scalping because I, I kind of trade by session. So, I, you know, I'm not going to bed with positions very often. Gotcha. And if I, if, if I'm in a, you know, if on a rare occasion I'm in a position overnight and it's in profit, I tend to use, I'll hedge one-to-one on a, you know, if I'm long, I'll, I'll short one-to-one and then just close it, you know, the day after as opposed to using a stop. Because, you know, stops, you always put stops in places where they're going to get triggered <laughs> you know because your invalidation is one you know yeah so you either widen your stop and risk losing more past your invalidation or you you get used for someone else's entry <laughs> so someone someone said in the chat which i want to respond to they said you trade like very high net worth people we plebs need to take more risk and i think it is like like completely the wrong perspective um like in general, if crypto realizes it's like, you know, potential upside, then you just need to be exposed to the market in general. You can take potentially more risk by moving down market caps rather than like actively putting on more risk. Um, so you can, you know, take positions in lower cap or earlier assets more easily. Um because you can put the work in and then put 100% of your portfolio into those things. Whereas if you're a high net worth person, you can't really put 100% of your portfolio into anything super low cap. But you should, you don't like trade more or less risky um, based on your net worth. You take a sensible amount of risk to make returns. And that should remain relatively constant, I think, throughout um, your like 
career um you don't just go like oh i've only got like two grand so i'm gonna fucking gamble my entire net worth because <laughs> like like what happens if you fucking lose it then like you, yeah. you have zero the same way no one gambles their entire net worth when they're worth a lot of money because it's moronic it doesn't matter how much money you've got it always is basically moronic um but instead you need a sustainable uh uh like system that allows you to over time increase like your um portfolio and it don't matter what your net worth is your system might change a bit you might find different opportunities but you don't fundamentally take a ton more risk or up the leverage or whatever just because you're not worth as much as like suzu if suzu's suzu's like he's a fucking expert the people (laughs) people that made really high balances like high portfolio balances from doing this know what they're doing if you've got like 200 quid in crypto and you just joined you probably know what you're doing less. So Sue's probably better suited to taking more risk than you. Mm. Um, but I think it's about simplifying, simplifying and being patient when you, when you knew and, and, you know, not got as much to risk in my opinion. You don't know the yeah. adage about like, you know, people overestimate what they can do in a short amount of time and underestimate what they can do in a long amount of time. Um, I think that's really true in crypto. Like if you're sitting there looking at like, how am I going to have two X, five X, 10 X in like a week or two weeks? Um, it's going to be quite difficult, but a lot of people in this space have turned four or five figures into six or seven figures, uh, over the course of a year, or like they catch one of the waves, like they catch the NFT wave or the DeFi wave or whatever. And they pull like a 50 X or a hundred X, um, on a portion of their portfolio that then outweighs the majority of their portfolio. And you catch one of those and you win, but it takes patience and it takes keeping your ear to the ground with the market to like see one of those waves coming, but there's still crypto's young enough for those waves to occur frequently. All right. I don't see any more good questions in chat. Um, somebody keeps, yeah. Somebody keeps spamming. What are my thoughts on Thorchain these days? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my thoughts on Thorchain these days are that it seems to be much more bullish when the network is down. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because people can't transfer the thought chain to an exchange to sell? Uh, I don't know that they can transfer or not, but they uh, can't get hacked when it's down. So um, <laughs> I run like, rooting for them. I'll put it that way. Uh, it doesn't sound like you are. It sounded like you were making fun of them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying the number that got hacked three times when it was live, and then it's gone up only now that they turned it off. So... All yeah, right. um, my, I just found out my girlfriend's been watching this show for the entirety, which I'm extremely petrified for tonight for. But she said her, uh, her response to the what's your biggest regret question would be not trusting your gut because your gut is mm-hmm. usually for a reason. So you should listen to it. And it's a mistake for you to not train your gut over time in these contexts and in these environments. So, Is she, is she single? Fuck no. all right Uh, someone in chat said you've got to do a dutch accent for closing but you've got to ask the final question first uh, Uh, i i'll think about the dutch accent i don't have a clue (laughs) your girlfriend in british means oh what's up in the meantime jason jim we ask for our guests to give us a little bit of alpha something that's going to help them make it they're trying to turn four figures into six or five figures into seven or whatever um they're trying not to get liquidated 
what advice mm. do you have for them before we go? And by the way, I just realized my pants kind of look like bullish candles. They do. Those are up only pants. I'm, I'm manifesting. Yeah. I mean, that, this looks a bit weird, but <laughs> I like you are it. Right now. Uh, Jim, why don't you go first? Um, I'll give as a trader, I'll just give like a, I'm, I'll give a basic, uh, strategy that I give to people that are just starting out and you, people are going to laugh because I'm going to talk about RSI now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, You're going right. to be kicked out of Insulico's inner circle. This is, <laughs> this is the sim. If you don't know when to buy and what price and you get scared about, you know, incremental movements, I always tell people, look at the four hour RSI. And if you were in a, like, a, in a, if we're in a, <laughs> if we're in an established uptrend and the RSI is at 30, just buy it because next time it's at 30, will have put it'll be a lower you know a higher low theoretically so if you can just you know be strict and patient and just buy every time some you know a momentum oscillator resets on like a four hour or daily just just average in average in and as soon as you get a, a you know a, a lower low on that four hour reset then you know that the trend's broken and then you cut your losses there so that's what i would say to people just starting that's a, the exact same trading alpha that Path gave. Oh shit! Really? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. RSI news, man. Yeah. What I liked about it is, as soon as he gave it, the next time it happened, it didn't work. <laughs> so the one, <laughs> the one time it didn't work was straight after the show. <laughs> Jason, what do you got? So, like, this is just alpha to help. Wait, wait, wait. can we can we educate your girlfriends actually? Because you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so can you restate the question I, I i think i understand it but it's fine it's uh listener listener alpha how are they going to make it how are they going to make it um trust yourself if you don't trust yourself fucking trust yourself and trust yourself enough to make mistakes and learn from them and don't be too hard on yourself um and just don't make the same mistake more than once or twice and if you make it twice don't make it again um you're gonna make mistakes every day and the only mistake is not knowing how to handle yourself um, to progress from that. And that's really how you make it because it doesn't matter what you're doing with that attitude. Um, you will make it with that attitude and you, you, you put in what you get out. So like there's so much opportunity here in crypto and that opportunity really is just people and getting to understand and learn from them and forming relationships with them. And at the end of the day, there's going to be a market when you're dead. So, but there's not going to be friends or family potentially. So focus on that. Nice. Love that about making relationships. I think that's a big part of people who have succeeded in crypto, how they did it. Thanks for being here. Kobe, you have anything? Yeah, you got to do the Dutch accent. Oh, <laughs> dude, I don't have the first clue what a Dutch accent sounds like. <laughs> what, what? All right. What about German? <laughs> Neat. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm Just doing... do any accent, any accent. <clears throat> Australian, New Zealand. Thank you for coming to Up Only. <laughs> See you next time. Go to uponly.tv slash FTX to check it out today. Make a swap directly from one asset to another. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good. I like that. That was quite good. <laughs> <laughs>